Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're about to hear a revolution in talk radio. Liberty Talk Radio, where the critical thinking will defrag your mind of propaganda-ridden viruses induced by mass media news programming. No BS here, just the facts. And now we present to you America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In Talk Radio, your host, Joe Cristiano. Everyone to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government, now before this bureaucratic, oversized, and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights, and our liberty. But to do this, we must shed conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought, dissidents in action. Only after we recognize what our government is doing to our freedom and our Constitution will we start taking it back. And this program is just about that. Today, we are pleased and absolutely honored to have as a returning guest, Mr. Paul Jacobs. Uh, Paul is the president of Citizens in Charge, a nonpartisan group working to protect and expand initiative rights. In addition to his many activities, Fostering individual liberty, Paul hosts Common Sense, an online and print opinion commentary, which reaches tens of thousands of online readers and email subscribers, of which I am one. Right? Um, his writings have been featured in USA Today, as well as many major news publications. During our broadcast, please feel free to call in with your questions or comments, 646-652-4620. And now, here's Paul Jacobs. Paul, how are you? Thank you so much for returning to Liberty Talk Radio. I'm doing great, Joe. Good. You're I'm doing great, good. Joe. It's, it's been some time. You know, we've moved out studios, so when we have equipment and everything is uh, a little different than it was before. But we hope we'll muddle, muddle, muddle through this if we can. Paul, today we're going to discuss, or you asked to discuss, the... The, the 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 original First Amendment, I guess, or the, the the unrevised First Amendment, and I read that, and I was shocked. Instead of having what 428 uh, representatives of Congress, uh, Cong- uh, congressional seats, 435, no, there's what 6150 or something like that. There should be, depending. All right. Well, let me. I'll have you explain the whole situation because I found it absolutely fascinating, and the fact that it's gone dormant for such a long period of time. Well, it it is, I think, kind of interesting history, and and you know there there's a gentleman, uh, Eugene Laverne, who uh, is a, an attorney and a rabble rouser from New Jersey, who has done the research through the archives, both nationally and in the states. And makes the art. I I don't really know enough to say that he's right, but no one has yet said that he is wrong. And um, he made the argument uh, that the First Amendment, the real First Amendment, 
has been ratified by enough states and is part of the U.S. Constitution or should be part right. of the U.S. And let me just take a big step back because so many people uh, are are of the mind that, you know, Madison put together 10 amendments. The Congress said yes. They sent them to the states and uh, the states ratified them. Everyone said hooray, huzzah. And uh, and there, there we have our Bill of Rights. At the time, of course, they weren't really called the Bill of Rights. Uh, at the time, Congress proposed 12 amendments. And what happened, and they, they called them articles. There was Article the First, Article the Second, Article the Third, and all the way to Article the Twelfth. The First Amendment, as we know it, Congress shall make no law. Uh, and boy, if they would have just put a period after that, we'd be in such great shape. But, uh, but basically, the First Amendment was Article the Third. The Second Amendment um, was Article the Fourth, and so on. The Tenth Amendment was Article the Twelfth. The first two, Article of the First and Article of the Second, were not ratified at that time, or so we were led to believe. Um, Article of the Second became the 27th Amendment, which was actually kicking around the states uh, from before you know, the, the 19th century all the way until 1992, and, uh, or, or 93, I think it was, where uh, it finally got enough states to pass it to be part of the Constitution. So the 27th Amendment to our Constitution was actually the second amendment ever proposed and was proposed by that first Congress with Madison uh, uh, doing uh, a good bit of the drafting. And that was, it was actually a, a, a wonderful amendment. It says that you can't alter the compensation for members of Congress during their term. So they couldn't vote themselves a pay raise without having to face the voters first. Unfortunately, it immediately became moot because Congress had already passed a cost of living adjustment. And uh, the court said that that didn't alter, that they'd passed it before. And so the Congress just constantly gets um, automatic cost of living adjustments, their pay goes up, and uh, and they can kind of ignore the 27th Amendment, unfortunately. Um, but but the first article was about something that I, I think most people don't give any mind to, which is how how many rep representatives we have for how big a population, how big is the district stock going to be, and it kind of rolled out that it started you wouldn't have any less than uh, one representative for every 30,000 people and then it went to uh, you know you have more representatives and it limited uh, you know how big how small the house could be in the end though it said that no less than one representative for every 50,000 people now that's what when you were talking Joe about uh, well, now we have 435 reps. That's what Congress has set. They said it uh, a century ago. And um, and this would have set it to where today, if you had one rep for every 50,000 people, uh, you would have over 6,000 representatives. And I think it's it's somewhere uh, north of uh, 6150. I guess it depends on, you know, the states and how the population set to one. Um, now, a lot of people would be aghast that, oh, no, we're going to have that many politicians. But 
our biggest problem in government is that we don't have representation. Nobody feels like they're represented. You can like your rep or not like them. Almost everybody likes them better than the, you know, the bum of the other party that they voted against last election. But but they don't feel represented. They're not likely to get a call back unless they've written a big check. Um, and they just, you know, we, we look at Washington and we say nobody there is speaking for me. And that has to change or we're not going to get the kind of government we want. And so I find this, the, the history of this, what, what uh, uh, Mr. Laverne is, is saying basically is that he's looked at the documents and that Connecticut and Kentucky and my home state of Virginia have, uh, have passed this, but they did not report at the time. So um, it has gone unreported, and of course, then we've added more states. They didn't consider it. So here's this amendment that was originally the first amendment uh, that he says, and no one contradicted him yet. I mean, a lot of people have wanted to ignore him uh, or said that can't be true, or even if it's true, it's ridiculous. We should pay it any mind. But no one has said he's incorrect. I can show you where they did not ratify it. And and so I, I don't have the time. Most of your listeners, I suspect, don't have the time to run all this research. But I sure heck want a court of law to do the research and to tell definitively whether he's right or, or whether he's wrong. And and if he's right, it seems to me that this would be added to the Constitution. I think there'd be a, a heck of a debate in the country. Congress, uh, I think the 435 members of Congress would immediately, they're, they're not dumb, and they would recognize that their powers would be reduced. If they're one of 6,000, they're not going to have as much power as they think it would, it would create a, you know, just a, a wonderful discussion and debate. And whether he's right or not, let's say that maybe he's made it all up or he's just mistaken and they show, uh, Mr. Laverne, your, your history is off. You're wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't ever ratified. We need an amendment like that. We need something that keeps districts from being so huge. That, you know, uh, for years, uh, California is a big initiative and referendum state. Uh, I love initiative and referendum. It's term limits very early on. I love term limits. And California was something of a bad case when it came to government. And people would say, well, if, if uh, initiative of good, if term limits are so good, why isn't California uh, better represented? The reason is because California's state Senate districts are larger than the districts in the U.S. Congress. California Senate districts are nearly a million people. Their House districts are half a million people, nearly half a million they are twice the size as they were when those districts were first set up, and they're more than twice the size of any other state's districts. Uh, the best governed state in the country is New Hampshire, which has 400 members in their state house, representing on average about 3,000 people. If you do something as a legislator in Hampshire that irks several of your constituents, you're likely not to be there next time. Right. And when some constituent calls you because they want to discuss something, you darn well better discuss it. In California, they're going to tell you to go play in traffic. Yeah. 
Well, it seems that, that no, there's, there's, there's obviously the state Congress, and then there's the National Congress, if you will, right? And so right. we're talking about the National Congress and not the state Congress. Am I correct? Well, they, we are talking about the National Congress in terms of him saying that this amendment passed. Yes. But, but in essence, I'm talking about the National Congress, the, uh, the state legislature, your city council. Um, the districts for our for the people representing us should be small, small enough that we can actually communicate with them. For instance, if if you're running the U.S. Congress or a state legislative seat, maybe in the Senate in Texas or or in the House in California, where again it's really half a million people, you need the money to be on TV. You it's it's not a I'm going to meet my constituents and talk to them. I'm going to convince them why I'm right. You're going to convince them with TV ads and with mail, and you need the support of big, entrenched, special interests on one side or the other of the political, you know, partisan divide. But you need all those things. That district is 50,000 people. You can walk that district. You can knock on every single door in that district. Right. And and that just makes it a fundamentally different thing. And Instead of all these bureaucracies about campaign finance reform, which in essence make the little guy have to jump through too many hoops to ever be able to, to play ball, but allows the multi-billionaires and the super PACs to say, oh, what's my penalty for violating all the laws? Here's a check for a million dollars. That's what happens after presidential campaigns. A lot of these Republican or Democratic super PACs and so on a check for half a million or a million dollars in fines to the FEC. Big deal. It's the cost of doing business. But it means that everything's run by the rich and the powerful. And I have nothing against rich people. Some of my favorite um, soon-to-be friends, I'm hoping, are rich. Um, There's nothing wrong with having achieved and spending money on politics. I, I salute people, even if I don't agree with them, who do that. But we ought not have a system that overly rewards those people and blocks other people from getting involved. And one critical element of that is to have district size to where the guy without a big wallet can use shoe leather and grassroots energy to go reach the public and, and get his message out or her message. Well, wasn't it it in the constitution and I'm sorry that I'm, we have an echo now. Uh Oh, we have an echo. Okay, the vehicle's going away. <laughs> That's the American people behind us. <laughs> well, uh, uh, that Congress was supposed to meet at least one year by the second week in December, something like that. And because it was in very, the, the language is such that it was intended that the Congress people, congressmen uh, were farmers or workers or whatever and were, lived in their community, which was relatively small in population, got to know the people, and it would be rare that he would have to even go to, go, go to Washington, you know, to change anything because they had everything within their state. And they had it, made, it was written in the Constitution, I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, to, to go at least once in, in, I think, the second week of December to, to at least once a year. But now they live there. I mean, and they live in precious mansions and whatever. And, they, and once a year, they come home to their wives, you know, because their girlfriends are in Washington. <laughs> and, um, and it's the exact opposite. Well, uh, today, congressmen are 
no different than the senators, uh, than the, the senators themselves. I mean, right. like, in fact, I don't in know fact, why we're both at this point. Well, in fact, the 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 Senate is supposed to be the more august body, and they they have longer terms. They're more the the people who know government. The House was always supposed to be the folks straight from the public. They right. know what the people want. Uh, and what's happened is because you can gerrymander House districts and you can't gerrymander Senate districts, senators are elected statewide. The Senate races are much more competitive than the House races. So you have uh, House members who you and I wouldn't recognize their name and, and are the people listening right. wouldn't either who've been in Congress for 20 years. And and uh, so, you know, we have such a the, – the branch government that's supposed to have the interests of the American people most at heart is the U.S. House of Representatives, and it is a total disaster and mess. They don't have our interests at heart, um, and, and if we can't fix that, we're in a lot of trouble. I mean, we could – you and I would complain about the – you know, the, the president who's become an emperor can go to war anywhere in the world, anytime, for any reason, and might have to send Congress a note in the next few months about it, say, this is what I'm doing. Um, but, but that's just one issue. On every issue, it seems like the Congress has punted to the courts, they've punted to the executive branch, because it is now run for the benefit of a bunch of career politicians who want responsibility and, and want us I think smaller things like term limits, but especially smaller districts, in the sense that that's going to allow a a real competitive environment. Um, you know, if if you have the the bigger the district, the more it's going to be who has the money and the expertise at running elections, and it just negates grassroots energy. And I think we want, and, and this isn't just on the right or the left or in between, it's not just libertarians. We all want a much more dynamic political environment where what we think matters. We, we, we don't expect to win every time. It's not going to mean that our ideas or somebody else's ideas triumph because we have small districts. But it is going to mean that when government steps outside of what we want, we have some recourse. Someone could launch a campaign against them instead of thinking, yeah, I'd like to do that, but it's impossible. Yeah, I, I don't have a, a spare $50 million to run for office, basically. <laughs> right. And and exactly. that's why the, the, the term for the congressman was only two years. It, it was expected that it would be the, 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 the farmer in an area that would represent the people in that area, and, and, and he would be Late when his term was yeah. over, so he passed on to someone else. And now you hear all exactly. the time, you know, Congressman so and so, you know, has been, uh, you know, a, a congressman now for uh, sixty terms, and and they applaud. They, oh, how wonderful that this guy has dedicated his his time, his his life, you know, to serving the people. I go, are you kidding me? I said he's been sucking <laughs> blood dry. Come on, you know, he yeah, should have dropped and- out. Two years and said no. It's two years. I'm out and give somebody else a chance. Well, and and in fact, what was the concern about the two-year term? The concern that it, it was that it was longer than right. it needed to be. Right. That two years was too long. I think it 
it was John Adams. Maybe it was Sam. I can't remember. My I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> but maybe it was John Adams who said annual elections and tyranny begins. Right. They were deadly afraid that these people would lose touch if they were there for two years without an election forcing them to come back and campaign yeah. and talk to the people back home and not talk at town hall or talk through TV ads, but, but bump into somebody at the soccer game right. or bump into somebody at the grocery store. And so, and you know, the, the other thing is it used to be that um, people were defeated more often than they are now, but not much more often. The difference in century plus of, of our republic and, and, and when it comes to the congressional races is that people left. They retired. They didn't want to stay there. It wasn't a cushy job. Right. It, they had other things to do to make money. You're going to take a hit. You were going to have sacrifice. And uh, I used to be of the mind that you know, we need a compensation that is, you know, not lavish, but is, you know, attracts the right type of people. I've, I've now come to the conclusion that we have compensation that attracts the wrong type of person. Right. If, if the job being a city councilman or a congressman or a state legislator or any public position, the best job you ever had is a step on the, on the path for your career then you're the wrong person to be in that job. I, and I, I sometimes say jokingly, politicians must suffer. But I mean it only jokingly. I'm, I'm not for anybody suffering. There has to be a sacrifice. If you are in public office and you're not making a sacrifice in terms of putting in extra time without being showered with gifts, pensions, and perks, and and so on, um, that's how it needs to be. Uh, otherwise, we get a bunch of sharks instead of a bunch of statesmen. Uh, and so I think that is a big part. And you can imagine, you, know, the, 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 you can make a lot of crazy things. Oh, if there were 6,000 members of Congress, um, you know, it'd be insane. Well, one of the first things that would happen is they would say, you know what, you're not paid $178,000 a year anymore. And the second thing that might happen is that people would say, you know what, why did we ever give what is supposed to be a, a short time in public office a pension? Why are we giving these chins with the tax dollars of people, most of whom have no such pension and are not going to have as near as good a retirement? Um, they have lifetime health care. It's, it's insane. And, and so it would force some of the decisions because um, the truth is whether – uh, the history is correct that, in essence, we already have a constitutional amendment we didn't know about, and it's going to it's going to mean that we have a bigger house, or we just politically achieve that. We've got to get smaller districts. We have to have representation. It's all about representation. I think any liberal, conservative, libertarian. Whatever your political philosophy is, I think you have to recognize that if we want representation, having a million people in a district or 700,000 or 460,000, or, these are numbers that do not, you know, do not end up mean we get represented. We don't. Right. And we all feel it. We, we all feel it. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, they 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 have their own health care plan. Uh, you know, they pass a, a health care plan, but they're not subject to it. They have their own, you know, which they have for life. I mean, it's uh, a king in most other countries wouldn't have the lavish uh, uh, amenities that these uh, congressmen have. And you're right; it wasn't yes. meant to be that way at all. And it's turned into be, it turned out to be that way. It's they're not representing the people, and quite frankly, they don't need their salary because what they get in their pockets, their salary very small portion of that in many cases because yes. all the contracts come through them and. If, Whatever's going to happen is going to happen in Congress, and these guys know how to play the game. And that's why some of these people in in, in Congress for 40 years, they're not living in a shack. You're not living in an apartment on a no. – they're not in an apartment 4B, you know, I'll tell you that. You know, they, you know they're living on a yacht, and yet the people in the district may be some of the poorest people in the United States. This total disconnect, and they're not representing the people. Whatsoever, um, you're absolutely correct. How do we how do we change this? I mean, short of a revolution, which I think this country needs, a silent revolution to change everything, to put everything on the keel. Do we have to wait for an a total economic collapse? Because we're now, uh, President Kotlikoff was on the program. He said we are now in debt, 123 trillion dollars. We're approaching a quarter of one quadrillion dollars, and we're going to sink. And when we do, there's going to be nothing left. And are we waiting for that so that we can regroup and say, hey, what we've done before is wrong. We do not want to repeat it. I mean, I hate to sound like gloom doom, but it seems like it's the only way out is to actually have a collapse and then rebuild the system again. Well, well, not to not to make it even worse, but my sense is if we have a total collapse, that is when people rarely say, hey, I want freedom when there's a total collapse. Yeah. They want someone to fix it. They want the guy who's, who tells them, hey, I'm going to make everything work. I'm strong, man. And they get, they get the strong man. And, and just like uh, all over the world, when we see the strong man who's going to come in and feed the poor and help everybody, at the end of the day, they are being zero with the poor. And they are at the plate for themselves every single time. And, and all their kindness in helping people through government ends up at the end of the day being, I have to, we, we have to arrest these people, we have to control the economy, we have to do this. I mean, look at what, what, what has happened in some of the socialist countries like Venezuela. I did a uh, common sense piece today on Nicaragua, where Ortega, the Marxist who's going to help poor, is now firing on his citizens, including in the town, they've killed a bunch of people in the town, which was the Sandinista base of operations. And young people in, in uh, that town were, were key, you know, fighters for the Sandinistas. Those young people today are now fighting against the Sandinista today, Ortega. And, uh, and so it scares me to death. We have, I think, and every time I hear something about Nicaragua or China or North Korea, or Iran, or Iraq, or Syria, and you would have a zillion different countries. And, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, thank goodness we're here in America. But I think one step beyond that, which is we need to make sure we don't take step one, two, three, or four toward that sort of authoritarianism. Freedom is the essential for human happiness, 
for prosperity and all the other things that come with it, primarily for people to be happy because they control their own lives. And and a collapse causes people to be so desperate that I, they forget right. about yeah. freedom. Yeah, and, and, and we have a chance to remember it now and do something. And and it's not if I have, oh, here's an easy thing. You know, send me 1599 and I'll send you a kid and you can go make your, your state and your city free and our country free. But I think one key thing to look at procedural reforms, um, good government reforms, and because the, the red team, blue teams thing not working out. Right. Uh, the partisanship, it seems like the partisans in Washington get richer and the rest of us are getting poorer. They have more power. The rest of us seem to have less power over our everyday lives. Now in America, I, I remember elections through my whole life, but it seems like the last few elections, the fear of what the government is going to do if she wins or he wins is big. And it's and, and I might you know, not like either of the he or the she, but I recognize, you know, my friends after Trump won, I had a number of friends who said, oh my goodness, he's just so scary. I said, welcome to my world. Because the truth is, Obama had a kill list on his desk without the without even a shred of any legal process. He was ordering the, the murders of people all over the world, including three American citizens that we know of, two of which were collateral damage, as far as we can tell. But of course, it was secret. He wouldn't talk about it. He kept kind of in, you know, saying, "Yes, we need to get a handle on the legality about it," because he was a thoughtful guy. Well, at the end of the day, he left as president. Now we have Trump, and Mr. Thoughtful Obama did absolutely nothing to create any sort of constitutional or lawful process by which the president of the United States gets to just murder anybody he wants throughout the world. And, and I'm not arguing that, that some of these people who've been blown to smithereens are terrible, evil terrorists who kind of deserve to be blown to smithereens. What I am arguing is if we think we can live in a country where you just hand somebody power to kill anybody he wants without any sense of accountability or, or lawfulness, you're insane. You're going against everything that America was always about. We've always been about the law head of the man, that every man is subject to the law, and that the law isn't one man's to do whatever he pleases. They were scared to death of having a president who became a de facto king. And today, I think we have a situation in which we have a Congress they want to, you know, they want to line up for the cameras in Washington, and they want to be important. They want to, you know, after there's some tragedy, sing God Bless America on the steps of the Capitol and be part of the cool guys, you know, the cool crowd in Washington. But they have no guts, and they're in for themselves, and they are absolutely no check on the executive branch. Um, so it, it, I just, I, I see us in very uh, serious times, and, and, uh, you know, I I know I don't I don't see myself too much, but I'm talking to you. Of course, I I can see my reflection, and and over my shoulder uh, is a poster we have um, that we just out about Edward Snowden, and it says "Thank you for your service." Right. And uh, and of course, he's a very controversial figure. Right. A lot of people think um, he's a traitor, released information 
was secret and so on. But I have to say, I thank him uh, for his service to America. And, and I'm not saying that everything he ever did was perfect or that he was a perfect person. Uh, maybe there was some information he divulged that would have been better not being divulged. But he told us about a program secretly run by our government that the courts have ruled, not just you and I who are sensitive about constitutional rights, but the federal courts who have always bent over backwards to allow any sort of, of security uh, apparatus to stay in place, they ruled they were violating our Fourth Amendment constitutional rights. So Edward Snowden is now living in exile in Russia. Um, doesn't he, he, he's to the, the edge of the limb, I think, to help us. You right. and men are listening so that we knew what the heck was going on. And now he's off on a limb. Uh, next week will be his 30th birthday. Um, and, and I don't want him to live this way. I want him to come back home. And I think he's willing to come back home even if he has to face some, some uh, court action. But, but he is charged under the Espionage Act, which was passed in 1980 when uh, Woodrow Wilson decided to arrest Americans who didn't favor his war effort, and it gave the government tremendous powers. It allowed the government to prosecute him without it being a public trial, as it should be, and without us being able to hear his defense. And, uh, and I think it's a complete travesty. And here is a person who I think did me a favor by letting me know what my government was doing illegally to violate my rights. I've never heard President Obama or congressmen step up and say, I apologize. I think some of the congressmen should apologize for not blowing the wind themselves. Right. They knew about yes, some of this, absolutely. but they felt like I can't say anything. Well, and, and people will say, well, he took an oath. He took an oath to, you know, to, uh, to keep these secret. Well, let me ask you, if you're hired tomorrow for a job, and they say you're going to be protecting the United States of America, and so you need to keep everything secret that you find out. And you say, yes, sir, I will keep that secret because I love my country. And then you find out that they are violating every citizen's rights, that they are trying to grab every bit of information illegally that they can on us. Would you just let that go when you know what they're doing is against the law? That abrogates that contract as far as I'm concerned. And, right. and again, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it will make some people mad. He's a traitor. He told the truth. He gave information to journalistic sources. It's, it's somewhat uh, ironic that the, the Washington Post, the Guardian, that he gave the information to have both won Pulitzer Prizes for publishing it. The woman who did the documentary about him won an Academy Award for the documentary. <laughs> Everybody has cashed in on this guy <laughs> except for him. And in fact, he gave a very lucrative job, a young man, a very lucrative job. He's living in Hawaii. And, and you know, to think that somehow he did it because he wanted to be famous. And so on, you know, this is ridiculous. And right. and I have a, I have a, a, a feeling uh, this guy that, you know, here he is. He's, I think he's done every one of us a, a service and he's, he's not getting his, any thanks. And, and I don't think he really cares about the thanks so much. 
but he wanted to be able to come back and live in America as a free person. Well, and I'd like to see that day happen soon. Yeah, we're 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 swimming against the tide. I I think one of the smartest things the government has ever done is excuse me, I have an echo now. It's here I think it just went away. But um, the they took over the school system, so everyone that goes to school, the government and most of the people's government schools, you know, they are taught that the government is all is right. You know, you they, they guarantee your freedom, etc. You know, think whatever you can memorize this stuff. And um, the person, that, the people that I have the most trouble with, as far as talking about logic and what is going, to teachers because they're products of the school system. They only difference they did is they went from sitting in the back of the class to standing in front of the class, but they're still within the school system. Very few of them think critically. They memorize and repeat. And out we, they are teaching our children to memorize and repeat. And then you and I are fighting, especially you, fighting this tide, and it seems impossible. Oh, one thing I mentioned, I forgot to mention, is that we only had a 45-minute program set up for this this, this evening. And um, we saw. Well, I went along on the first first. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're going to have we have about uh, two, two minutes or so, and I, I would like to wrap it up and be, be, be wrap it up. I I'd like to continue this conversation, so I'd like to invite you. I hope you will accept our invitation. Okay. So, Always, Joe. Love it. All right, and uh, uh, please, and and the, the, the next two minutes are all yours, Paul. Well, I would I just uh, ask people out there, um, one, go to thisiscommonsense.com. I do it daily. Issues for foreign policy, Afghanistan, our longest ever war, which is supposed to end once we convince the Taliban to join the government. That's the kind of craziness that we're doing overseas. But really, this is more on grassroots activity uh, in cities and states around the country, to fight uh, uh, imminent domain abuse, trying to fight things like uh, and succeeding often on things like uh, criminal justice reform, Liberty Initiative Fund, which is is where I work during the day, uh, and uh, where instead of pontificating, I talk to people on the phone and and we try to figure out how to get things on the ballot. We we were the group that worked with local people in Ferguson, Missouri to put a police camera measure on the ballot and pass it that, that wrote the rules. We work on uh, ending civil forfeiture where police can just take people's stuff. Uh, and we work on things like tournaments and greater representation. There are, there are many places around the country where people will say, let's save some money and we'll cut down the number of representatives we have, the number of people on the city council, and then it won't cost us more money. It's a fool's bet. It means bigger districts. It means more political control by cronies and politicians and less grassroots energy. That's what we need. Right. You know, we won't always win, but the, the folks at the grassroots who are conservatives or who are liberals, if they got together and were making policy, they, they'd figure things out. I have a lot of faith in the average person, wherever they are on the spectrum. And I have to say, I have zero or minus zero faith in the folks in Washington, D.C. When I moved years ago from Arkansas to Washington, I, you know, I kind of, for some reason, you know, I, I was pretty cynical, but 
I realized every day that I wasn't nearly cynical enough. <laughs> Our so-called leaders are not going to get the job done. Right. They're not going to, and we have to. So uh, you can you can go to thisiscommonsense.com, uh, citizensincharge.org, Liberty iFund, Liberty Initiative Fund site. Uh, get involved. Help us uh, make a difference. And uh, we'll send you one of these posters, too. Okay, very good. Paul, thank you so much for being on our program, and we do hope to hear from you very, very soon. Sounds great, Joe. Great good to luck see you. you. Thank you so much. Um, folks, this is the end of today's broadcast. This, uh, excuse me. This is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support, and we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends and let us hear from you. Our email address is comments at libertytalkradio.com. Remember, as my wife would say, you're either allowing your liberties to be taken away or you're striving to protect them. Unfortunately, there is no middle ground. Until next time, this is Joe Cristiano. You've been listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Stay well. Stay tuned. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.